So if you'd open your Bible, please, to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number two, and we'll be there in a moment. And while you're finding your place, uh, you can do that and listen at the same time. Let me ask you a question. Would it have made any difference had Jesus been born somewhere beside Bethlehem? I mean, like, had he been born in Jerusalem or Jericho or Capernaum or even Egypt or wherever? Would it really make any difference where Jesus was born? Now, answer to that question is, yes, it would. It would make a huge difference, and here is the reason why. Had Jesus not been born in Bethlehem, then the Bible would be incorrect at a point about his birthplace. And think carefully. If the Bible were incorrect about the birthplace of Jesus, then the Bible could be incorrect about other things the Bible teaches. And you and I would be unable to have 100% confidence that everything the Bible teaches is true. You see, back in the book of Micah, the old prophet Micah, in chapter 5, in verse 2, the prophet Micah said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Now, of course, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So the Bible is 100% correct at that point. But had that not have happened that way, had Jesus been born in Jerusalem or Jericho and Capernaum or Egypt or wherever, then you say, okay, there's an error in Scripture about the birthplace of Jesus. Oh, if there would be an error in Scripture about the birthplace of Jesus, then there could be an error in Scripture where Scripture teaches that Jesus is the solution to our sin problem, that Jesus uh, gives us a clear picture of God, that the Holy Spirit guides us in our daily lives. And then on top of all that, if there would be an error about the birthplace of Jesus, then this whole idea about Jesus being the source of peace. We wouldn't be able to say, I believe that 100% because I found everything else true. If one thing's not true, who knows what else is not true. But thanks be to God, every word in the word is true. Could I have an amen to that? And that having been said, I want you to look with me in Ephesians chapter 2. Down in verse 14 is one of the most remarkable things, one of the most special things in all of scriptures in this verse. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 says, for he himself, he being Jesus, he himself, that is he alone, he alone, that eliminates everybody else and everything else. He alone is our peace. Now that word peace it comes from a Greek word, irene, irene. And the idea of that word is translated in our English Bible as peace. It, it, means, it conveys the idea of completeness. It conveys the idea of holding us together. He is our peace. In other words, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, he is our peace. He he holds us together. The opposite of the word peace in that sense would be like coming apart. Sometimes things happen in life and we just feel like I'm coming apart. 
<laughs> you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm going to pieces. We say it in different ways. Well, what we're saying is at that moment, we don't have this irene. We don't have this peace. Bottom line is to understand this. Jesus is our peace. Now turn in the gospel of John in chapter number 14, and let me show you what Jesus has to say about this matter of peace. John chapter 14. And as you turn to John 14, so we keep scripture in context, remember that John chapters 13 and 14 record Jesus in the upper room with his disciples. That's John 13 and 14. And when you come to the very end of John 14, if you look, it says, Arise, let us go from here. It's talking about Jesus said to the disciples, Now let's leave the upper room, and we're about to make our way to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, John chapters 15, 16, 17 give us a record of the conversation that Jesus had with the disciples on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And then, of course, John chapter 17 is when Jesus prays his priestly prayer. That's the, that is actually a prayer of Jesus. So backing up now, John chapters 13 and 14, they're in the upper room. Now in the upper room, think a moment, Jesus, the very night he's going to be betrayed, the very next day he will be put up on a cross and he knows he'll be crucified. In other words, he knows he's going to die. Now in that setting, Look what Jesus had to say to the disciples in John chapter 14, verse 27. He said, peace, I reign, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you, not as the world gives peace. The world gives peace sparingly, selfishly, and for a short period of time. Jesus says, no, that's not the kind of, that's not my peace. What I'm giving you is not like the peace the world gives. It's not sparingly and selfish and short-lived. The peace that I'm going to give will be the opposite. It's going to be abundant, and it's going to be eternal. It's going to be forever. See, most people, when they, if they know they're about to die, and they've not already done so, not already done so, they're going to write a will and a testament to leave their possessions to their loved ones. Now, Jesus, in the upper room, as he spoke these words, knew he was about to die, but he's going to leave them not possessions. He's going to leave them something possessions can't buy. He's going to leave them peace. This is what he's going to give them. See, peace is better than possessions. You know, you can have endless money, enough money to buy all the food in the grocery store. <laughs> Just buy the thing out. But you can't buy an appetite. A person can have enough money to buy the most expensive, best mattress that can be made. But they can't buy sleep. You don't buy sleep. You don't buy an appetite. No, this whole matter of peace. Jesus says, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, give, I'm going to leave you peace. My peace I give you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, with that little background about this idea of peace, if you take your bulletin, we'll just work with it a moment or two, and think about something. Had Jesus not come to Bethlehem, we could not trust Jesus alone. We could not trust Jesus alone to give us peace with God. 
Now think about that. Like what he did on the cross, what did he do on the cross? He died, he, he was born in Bethlehem, he died in Jerusalem, hanging on a cross, shed his blood to pay for our sins. Now, turn in your Bible, if you will, to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Romans chapter number 5, uh, if you've not marked the verse, you'll want to mark the verse, it, it talks about this peace. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, the Bible says, having been justified by faith, that's how we're made just with God, made right with God, made, made at peace with God. Justification is the initial act of salvation. It takes place that moment that you ask the Lord Jesus to come into your heart. Then you are at that moment cleansed as just as though you had never sinned. All your sins are washed away. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And all that is by faith. And one of the benefits, one of the results of justification by faith is that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the war is over. That's what Jesus meant on the cross when he said, it is finished. (laughs) The battle is over. The sin, all under the blood, and we're justified by faith. And when that happens, we have peace with God. And there's no greater peace than peace with God. Oh, what a blessed thing. Now, question. Here we are on the last Sunday in the year. Do you have peace with God? Have you made peace with God? I'm talking about something far beyond joining a church, being baptized, doing good things, all that stuff. I mean, has there been a lot time in your life where you have realized that because Jesus did come to Bethlehem, because Jesus did hang on the cross, because Jesus did come out of that grave, because Jesus did ascend back up into heaven, because of all of that, And you've put your trust in that, your faith in that, that you have made peace with God. Your soul is at peace with God. You know, if you have that nailed down, I'm saying to you, it's a blessed thing. We don't know about many other things in life, but I do know this. I'm at peace with God in my soul. Not because of who I am or what I've done, but because of who He is and what he has done, and I've put my faith in that. Question, have you done that? That's so very important. You understand, time is moving rapidly. Not only is time moving rapidly, the clock is ticking, the, the, the pages on the calendar are turning, and hear this, there is an end day out there for every one of you, and for me, and for every person. There is an end of this thing we call life, and when we get to that point, We want to be sure that we have made peace with God. And Jesus alone gives us peace with God. Well, not only that. Had Jesus not come to Bethlehem, we would not be able to trust Jesus alone to give us peace with ourselves. Boy, that's a a blessing. You see, many, many people live much of their life. They're not at peace with themselves. Of course, if we've never been at peace with God, we'll never be at peace with ourselves. Now, the Apostle Paul, over in the book of Philippians, uh, he said a very interesting thing. He said, I have learned 
to be content in whatever state I find myself. Now, not many people can say that and speak the truth. That's true. Sometimes I think all of us would have to admit we're in situations and we couldn't say I've, I'm content in this particular situation. But it's because of Jesus. He, he gives us peace with ourselves. And the Apostle Paul had it figured out. He said also earlier in the book of Philippians, for me to live is Christ and die is gain. So he nailed that down. Christ was the priority thing in his life. And, and because of that, he, he went on to say, be anxious for nothing, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It is a glorious, glorious thing. Now, as I think about these things Paul said, I've mentioned them in Philippians, but think with me more. Had Jesus not come first to Bethlehem, Jesus never would have appeared before the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. And had Jesus never appeared to the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, then the apostle Paul would not later have said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He had peace with himself. Read the book of Acts in Acts chapter 16. It's a blessed thing. We read about Paul and Silas in that Philippian jail at midnight. Singing hymns to God in praying. Peace he had. Then you go over in Acts chapter 26 and you read about the apostle Paul in that great outdoor theater there at Caesarea by the sea. And there he stood before King Agrippa, and he was given what we call his defense of the gospel. Agrippa agreed to hear what the Apostle Paul said, and he gave, it's a blessed chapter in the Bible. And when, when he finished his conversation, or his presentation rather, to old King Agrippa, King Agrippa said, Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. I've often wondered about that. Was it, was it what was it what Paul said? I think, I think as much as what Paul said, I think, I think King Agrippa saw in Paul a peace. I mean, I mean, Paul, death was imminent for the apostle Paul. He'd be going to Rome, and his end there was death. But here he stood in that beautiful amphitheater. And King Agrippa saw this magnificent peace. Read the epistles of Paul in the New Testament. And over and over, you'll hear Paul talk about things he's been through. But how in it, you see he had peace in all of that. It is a blessed, it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Here's the deal. Jesus alone can be your source of peace if he is your source, if he is your source of peace alone. That's, that's how that works. If, if you're trying to find peace in, in a relationship with some person or you're trying to find peace with your job or you think, well, if I had this, I'd have peace or if I had that, I'd have it. No, when Jesus alone is your source of peace, here's the deal. You will be at peace with yourself. And whatever comes, he always, we may, we may start coming apart for the moment, but somehow, when, when, when we've made peace with God and we realize that, 
that Jesus is our source of peace in a way I cannot explain, but it happens. It just he's like he puts us back together again. He glues us back together. Our mind and our, our hearts and our emotion, everything about it. And then not only that, you're in the book of Romans. Uh, had Jesus not come to Bethlehem, we could not trust Jesus alone to give us peace with other people. You know, that's a, that, that's a challenge sometimes. There are just sometimes... It's hard to be at peace with this person or that person or yonder. But, but Jesus can give us peace with other people. Look with me in Romans chapter 12. If you'll just turn over a few pages if you're still in Romans. In Romans chapter 12, if you look with me down in verse 18, the Bible says, If, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That's a challenging verse. First of all, let's look at the verse. It says, if it is possible, which means it's not always possible. But if it is possible. So we have to understand that there can be situations where you just can't live peaceably with somebody else. But here's what you can do. You can do what you can do. You can't control their actions and their attitudes and their responses. But you can control what you can do. And so what the Bible is saying, if there is not peace between you and someone, you do whatever you can do. Now, how they respond to that, what their attitude is about it, what their actions might be, that's out of your control. But what is in your control is you you do what you can do to live at peace with everybody. And Jesus can give us a peace that helps us to do that very thing. It's a marvelous, marvelous experience. You know, peace is an interesting thing. Like, peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the unusual, real awareness of God. That's, that's how it works in real life. Like, in life, they're just going to be hard things come. Everything in life is not going to be what you wish it would be, what you had hoped it would be. They're just, they're things. Things happen. But here's, here's the bottom line to that. If Jesus is our source of peace, you say, well, when I'm going through all these things, I'm human, so, you know, I'm not going to be like a spiritual angel or something. I'm a human being, and and I'm going to have my sinking times and all that. But, but yet in the midst of all that, there can be a peace because Jesus is, is your source of peace. But how, how do you do it? Well, you live doing what you can do in his presence throughout each day. Just the simple things you can do in life that give you an awareness of his presence. Now, you may say, well, hey. Jesus, the Holy Spirit's present everywhere. Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's, I, God's always with us. I understand that. But yet, now think with me, there are times when you feel God's presence in such a real way, you feel like you could just reach out and touch him. I mean, those are precious times. I wish I had more of them, but I thank God when I, I just have those times, I just, I just, I, and it, it, it takes place when we're doing the things that put us in position for that to happen. But the presence of God and his awareness of being right with us through whatever we're going through, that's where this irene comes, this peace, this completeness, this gluing us together idea. 
you know, it's, I thought I must have an illustration that would get this point across because it sounds like I'm talking about some, something out here in the clouds somewhere, the presence of God. We can't see God, but in your life there are times He's more real to you than if you could see God. Well, I thought about some things we've been through here in the last months. You know, of course, we learned on May 2nd, Dottie had lymphoma, and then we had to spend a couple of weeks to try to figure out what to do to deal with this. How are we going to solve this? What's the, what's the plan? And so then we, we, we get started in all this, and things had to be done before the chemo started and all that. But during the chemos, you know, there were some, there were some hard times. There, 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 are a lot of, there are a lot of side issues that come from chemo. Chemo's doing what it does, but it, it also does other things. And so we, we went through what everybody goes through. We went through some hard times. Some of them were in the hospital, but the majority of the hard times we had were not in the hospital. Now, we had a little there too, but, but, but much of them, many of them, they were back at home but where we were getting ready to go back for the next treatment. Between the treatments, things would happen. And here's, here's what would be. So I was thinking yesterday about it. Like during some of the hardest times that we had at home, just Dottie and I would be in the house and things would not be doing good. We were having a real problem. I'd hear the door open. And here comes John. Or I'd hear the door open. Here comes Joel or Jody. And there was a point. Like we would be in the bedroom trying to deal with the situation. And they'd be coming in the other end of the house. But when they got in the house, I just would feel, hey, you know, help's coming. You'd feel peace about it. Or they could just call on the phone during some of those times. And Their presence it's not that they particularly came to say, you need to do this, you need to do that. Just, just their presence gave a peace. Man, man, I'm not by myself here. It's not just me trying to help God either. Here's a, they're here. Hey, it's the same way with God. It's the same way with God. In life, would you agree with this? We all go through some hard things. Could I have an amen to that? But when it dawns on you, hey, I'm not here in a house by myself. <laughs> I'm not in this by myself. God's here. And then just, just somehow it's just like a, like a giant boulder kind of comes out. And you, whew, man, we're going we gonna to get through this thing. I'm going to tell you something. We're always going to get through it. You're always going to get through it. Because why? Because Jesus is our source of peace. Now this morning, I want to ask Two questions. Number one, here we are last Sunday morning of the year. I just ask you this. I wish it were where I could go, not to embarrass anybody, but I wish I could just go in front of everybody in this room. Maybe just just we could slip off somewhere where, we, where you wouldn't be embarrassed. And I could say, I won't ask you something. Have you made peace with God? Have you ever... Ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, come in your life, make you a Christian, and trust him. Have you made, is your soul at peace with God? So you know 100% when your end day comes in this life, 
that you'll spend eternity with God in heaven. That'd probably be one of the... I think if we could have it a little private way like that, it'd be so much... We get a lot more done that way. But I'm just going to have to do it this way. I'm just asking you this morning. Are you 100% sure that when you die, and you will, that you will spend eternity with God in heaven? Now, if you're not 100% sure... I'm going to lead you in a moment in a prayer. You Today, on this last Sunday in the year, you can settle that forever. Now, question two is for those that say, I'm not perfect, Pastor, but I know I'm saved. I'm 100% sure that I have made peace with God, with my soul. Okay, here's your question. And it's I've asked it to myself. I am asking it to myself. I've been asking myself about two weeks. What are some things... In the year ahead, that you need to do to help you live your daily life more aware of His presence in your life. It may be your Bible reading more, a Bible reading plan, prayer more. I'm not going to name a bunch of stuff. You think about it. It's a great question. And you won't get that question all answered here in these brief moments. But take that question with you. Ponder it the rest of this day and tomorrow and the next. And by, by January 1st, jot down maybe one or two or three things that you know if you would do, it would put you in position to be aware of his presence in a more real way. I'm going to ask all of us to bow our heads, and I want to go back to that first group now. Those that would say, Pastor, I'm not 100% sure, but I want to be 100% sure. Would you just pray this prayer? Say, Lord God, thank you that you love me. God, I realize that I'm not 100% sure about my soul. And God, I'm asking you this morning, forgive me of my sins if I've not already asked that. But God, what I'm doing this morning, I'm trusting you. I'm putting all of my sins under the blood of Jesus. And I'm trusting you by faith to make me right with you. Thank you, God. Thank you. I've settled my salvation today. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, John's right earlier. Sometimes on a rainy day, on a down Sunday, as far as people here because of holiday. Sometimes it's those days some of the best things happen. And God, I pray today that those who've trusted you will even today do what they need to do to get that settled forever by faith in Jesus' name.